the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God had absolutely no desire to create a bunch of robots. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Today we are in part two of our message titled, Something Wasn't Good, in Genesis chapter 2. Let's jump back in. Yes, when we surrender our lives to Him, When confession of our sin is made to him, when we agree with God, yes, I've done things that are wrong, that's when he literally comes inside of our hearts. God himself comes and lives inside of us. I mean, think about that. He gave us a piece of himself to live inside of us. It's like a piece of the creator God to live and dwell in this body. Even as God breathed life into Adam, the first man, now God can breathe his Holy Spirit into every person who chooses to believe in him as Lord and Savior. I love what we're told in Ephesians 1.13. It says, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, after listening to that message, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you have to hear it. You have to contemplate it. You have to believe it. He says, then at that point, you will be sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view in the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Yes, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a pledge. It's like a written contract. You know, when you go buy a car, you know, it's not like you just walk in and say, yo, I'll just take that card. You get inside and go. Oh, no. They have to check your credit. And then they have to say, okay, you've been approved on your credit. So they're saying, we will allow you to take this car, but you're going to have to borrow money to get it. So you will have to sit down and fill out a contract with us because we're going to go into this contract agreement together that you're going to pay this money back. So they bring out the contract that's like this long. And it's like, you sign here, sign here, initial there. Sign, 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 initial, initial, sign, 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 sign. Okay, so you're signing forever and everything. You have to do all the paperwork before they hand you the keys and you drive out and you say, look at my car. Well, technically it's not totally your car. It's not your car until you make the last payment. Then it's your car, okay? But it's like until then, you know, you have got a contractual agreement with that company. And if you don't make those payments, they'll come and take your car because now it'll be their car. Okay. But God on a positive sense here, what he did was he took you and said, I'm going to give you my Holy spirit to you as a contract pledge that I love you, that I will never leave you or forsake you. And how are you going to know that? Because I'm going to give a piece of myself to live inside of you forever. And then God create 
a garden here in verse 8. We got a garden created. Now, we got the whole world created with vegetation and all this stuff around the whole world. But now, he makes the special little garden here. And I'm sure it was nothing less than total paradise. Now, I've been to a lot of places on planet Earth. And I've been to some pretty nice places. I've been down to the southern tip of New Zealand, which they say is one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth. And, well... I'm not going to disagree. It's pretty stinking awesome. I've been to some places in Australia that were really unbelievably beautiful. And so, of course, you know, there's going to be some awesome places that you can go to today, but I'm sure nothing today can compare with this garden of paradise. He called it Eden in verse 15. Now, again, Eden means pleasure or paradise. Notice every tree was pleasing in the sight. So to your side, like everything was like, whoa, look at, oh, look at, oh, look at that. Oh, my goodness. There was this one place that I found in New Zealand. It was just north of Rotorua on the northern island. And it was so extravagant that when you drove through it, it was just amazing because it was like a complete perfect mixture of what you would see here in northern California and then mix in Hawaii. So it had like the kind of trees that you would see here, you know, just big, beautiful, robust trees. But then in the midst of that forest, you've got palm trees and ferns and all this that you would find in Hawaii. So it was just, I remember walking through it like, this is just unbelievable because you you see what we have here in Northern California, then you see in Hawaii, but you don't see the two mixed together like that. Then I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. But imagine what this garden of paradise was. Notice again, it says every tree was good to the sight and it was good for food. So God had planted though two other trees in the midst here. There was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. The tree of life had a special property in it that would sustain life. So if you were eating of the tree of life, you would never die. This was literally, I guess you could say, the fountain of youth. And then there was the tree of knowledge. Maybe it was given that name because it was a test of obedience, to test the couple on whether they would obey God or not. We're not told exactly what it contained, but then we will see water coming from within the Garden of Eden. So now there's water that comes from within. So now this is a subterranean water source. Now when you're in Israel and you're like going, okay, here's the Jordan River. Oh, the Jordan River. Let's get baptized in the Jordan River. Well, you know, by time you go to the place where people usually baptize in the Jordan River, all you're thinking is, has anyone ever done a bacteria test on this thing? Because it's looking pretty bad. <laughs> and then while you're standing there, how many have been uh, baptized in the Jordan River? You, when you're standing there, you, <laughs> it's like these little fish come up and they're like scarfing on your feet. You're like, oh, yes, hi, yes, let's baptize you oh, in the name of Jesus. Okay, and so anyway, but when you get to where the Jordan River starts, there's like three wells that come out of the ground that all join together that kind of make the major flowing, uh, you know, Jordan River that we know. But when you see the first one that's up by Tel Dan where it comes out, oh, it's like roaring rapids. It's so awesome. It's just, it's just beautiful and everything. But they, they all start from underground and then they come out and then that's what turns into the Jordan River that ends up dumping into the Dead Sea eventually. But it's like one thing for sure, it's like 
like it's a subterranean water source. Well, that's what the Garden of Eden had here. It had water that was just coming out of the ground. Then that river coming out of the garden turns into four major rivers. This account is obviously pre-flood, pre-Noah's Ark day. So who knows where these rivers, you know, where they really were. Uh, For there have been many who have tried to figure out just where is the Garden of Eden? Because they want to try to find that tree of life so that they can live forever. They're seeking for that tree of life. They're seeking for the tree of knowledge. They're seeking after these rivers because we're told that gold in verse 11 flows freely there. Obviously, we still have the Tigris River and the Euphrates River. They flow through Iraq and flow into the Persian Gulf. But anyway, moving on, we're going to hit our final point, a suitable helper. Let's read what he goes on to say, picking up in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. He says, Then the Lord God took the man, and he put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. What? Everything's been good up to this point. Everything that he created, good, good, better than good, awesome, outrageous. But now something's different. It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the names and whatever the man called the living creatures, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at his place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, wow, this is outrageous. No, I'm sorry. He said, this... This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Wow, man, it was a great day that day. Let me tell you. Okay, so this is incredible information that we're given here. Uh, God doesn't give us any theories here like man does the theory of evolution. You know, uh, let me just give you some speculative thoughts here that I have. He doesn't give us any guesswork. He doesn't give us some rough calculations. We think it might have worked out this way. God just gives us the facts. Only the facts, ma'am. That's it. Notice in verse 15, Adam is put into the Garden of Eden with work to do. He wasn't on a permanent vacation, but he was to cultivate and keep the garden. We're told in verse 20 that Adam was to name all the animals along with all the birds. We're also told in verse 16 and 17 that Adam could eat of any tree of the garden except for one tree, the tree of knowledge. 
And there could have been hundreds of trees in the garden. We don't know how many trees were there. Yet there was only one that Adam could not eat from. Now, this is where some people would say, uh, well, how come God made even that one law? It's like, because that's the one thing that Adam ended up breaking and he sinned before God and was moved, removed from the garden. So why did God even make the one law? Because now people say, now we have the Ten Commandments. Well, not, we don't technically just have the Ten Commandments. The law in the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God is 613 laws, by the way. It's not just the 10. We talk about the big 10 because that's the ones that God puts out in the 10 commandments, but there's technically 613 laws. And now why would God give us all those laws? It's all rules and regulations. That's all it is here. Well, no, it's because of wickedness, the wickedness of man's heart, because now God has to spell everything out because what do we say? Well, I didn't know. You didn't tell me. I didn't know. So God's like, okay, I know how stinky you can be. So I'm going to write down everything. And I'm going to tell you how to live and what to do and what not to do. I'm going to lay it all out for you. That way, when you come before me and say, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know I couldn't do this. I didn't know that was bad. It's like, uh, well, I wrote it in my word. And not only did I write it in the word, but I wrote it upon the fleshly tablets of your heart. So you even knew inside without even reading my word that it was wrong. And you did it anyway. See, so no man will have any place to stand. It's like, well, I never picked up the Bible and read it. Well, that's okay because I wrote it on the fleshly tablets of your heart. And when you first started doing it, you knew it was wrong because I wrote it inside of you. Well, God has always desired people that with their own free will would come to him, would come to them on their own free will and serve him. Yes, couldn't God just as easily programmed us just to serve him? I mean, could he just put a little chip inside? Yes, God, we will serve you. You are the most awesome God. We praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Oh, I got stuck. Sorry. I praise you, praise you. I mean, it's like, come on. God didn't want that. God didn't want any kind of a robot service. He could have made us do whatever to never sin. Yes, absolutely. But God had absolutely no desire to create a bunch of robots. Remember, God created us in his own image. We have been created with great abilities. We can know the living God. We can choose to serve him and obey him. Yet, with that free will, we can also choose to do nothing. We can choose to sin against God. And that's why Adam was told, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. Meaning he would die spiritually. The relationship with God and man would be severed. That's why God says in Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2, he says, you know, it's not that my hand is so short I can't reach you. Because there's many in the world right now saying, our world's a mess. Where is God? If there's a God, why didn't he fix everything? Why is there starving children in Ethiopia? Why is there all this bad thing? Why, 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 why? And they want to shake their fists at God. And God says, you know, it's not that my hand is short that I can't reach you that are complaining and moaning and groaning right now. And it's not that my ears dull that I don't hear you, but your sin has severed. It has made a gulf between us. Your sin has separated me from you. I'm a holy God and you're not. And you have chosen to walk in opposition to me. And you wonder why everything's falling apart around you. You wonder why your whole country's falling apart. It's because you have left me, the fountain of living water. And you've embraced for yourself broken cisterns that can't give you hope, that can't give you life, that can't give everything to you. But instead of repenting and coming back to me, you continue to live in your sin. So therefore, I won't hear you and I won't reach down and help you. Until you come to me in repentance. 
And that's what God says. Yes, Adam would die spiritually if he ate of this tree. He would be separated from God, and he would be distanced from his presence. We will look at that in much detail next time. Then we see in verse 18 that God said, it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. It's not good to be alone. Like, man, I looked at everything I made. It's just not good for this guy to be alone. Remember, God looked at everything he made, and he said it was good. The heavens, the sun, the moon, the planets, the stars, all the fish of the sea, the birds in the air, you know, all the animals on land. You know, I was looking at this thing in these giant condors. You know, we have the California condor and everything, these giant birds. You know, I was... I was like watching a special on them, and they were saying how a giant condor can fly a hundred miles and not flap his wings once. It's like, what? Because he gets up in the wind currents, and he just like takes those big old wings and moves them around, goes wherever he wants. He he just sits there, you know, like this. I'm on a vacation. It's like, you know, where'd you fly? I flew a hundred miles. You tired? No, not at all. Just kind of, he didn't flap them once. Now, it takes a lot for that thing to get off the ground. He's a big bird. He's, you know, they get off the ground. He uses all that energy. But once he gets up there, the wind currents, man, he can just go for a hundred miles and not flap their wings once, which is crazy. But anyway, yes, God created all of these things. He did all of these things. And God said it was good. But for man, he says it was not good to be alone. What does that mean? It is not rich. It's not valuable. And it's not appropriate for a man to be alone. So God made Adam a helper And it says in the New American Standard, that was suitable for him. Now, the Hebrew word there for suitable means to complement Adam. It literally means to complete Adam. Adam was not complete, God was saying. And of course, all you women know that. Well, obviously, men are not complete without us. I mean, (laughs) hello, they're hairy beasts on their own, okay? So us men are not complete without a woman, And if men are not complete without a woman, then obviously women are not complete without a man. That's why God created marriage. And this is why it should be between a man and a woman. It's not because of procreation, being able to make babies. It's not just about the sexual aspect. It's because men and women are made completely different. We are wired and engineered differently. Now, that can be either breathtakingly awesome or it can be extremely frustrating in a marriage. As a husband will say, why does she always disagree with me? Why does she get so drama-filled? And you women will respond with, because you're an idiot. Oh, I'm sorry, not that. But uh, you'll, you'll respond with, well, you're hard-headed. And let's not even talk about how completely insensitive you men are to us women. But know this, God made us completely different on purpose. And the beauty is in the differences. And the sooner we learn to embrace the differences, the sooner we will realize that two completely different halves make a much better whole. Can you grasp onto what God was doing there? 
Because it can be frustrating if you're thinking, uh, no, this person is just against me. No, hold on. Maybe they're not against you. Maybe they just have a different perspective and they're seeing things differently. Because if you marry someone who sees just like you see, who thinks identically to how you think, then you have gained nothing in that marriage. Yet if you marry the complete polar opposite who sees life through a whole different perspective, through a different prism, then as a team, you are now better equipped for everything that life could possibly throw at you. So when your spouse disagrees with you, it doesn't mean that they're right, which they might be right, but it doesn't mean that they're right, but it's worth listening to them. Why? Well, who knows? Maybe what they're saying is true. Maybe it could be helpful. Maybe it stops you enough to think, well, maybe I need to rethink this a little bit here. Maybe I'm not seeing every angle of this. Yes, God said it wasn't good that man was alone. So God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Man, don't you like a deep sleep? And that's like when you're just out of it, man. You're just sawing logs, man. You're, you're like dead to the world. You're just out for the count. So he's got this deep, deep sleep that just falls upon him. And so he's out. And so, you know, uh, at this point, he removes now a rib from Adam's side. Now imagine Adam up to this point. He's been busy doing what? God already told us. He's been naming all the animals, all the birds. Whatever the name was that Adam called him, that's what it was. Now, obviously, with Adam going around, he's figured out that there's males and females. Notice the difference between man and what his theory of evolution is. Yes, we come from cavemen. Yes, we come from monkeys that have turned into Cro-Magnon man, Neanderthal man, you know, and then finally, you know, oh, you know, me, a caveman, have woman come, you know, we, and then we, we've become the most intelligent creatures that we are today. Well, God has it completely opposite of that. He created us with much intelligence. You know, they say that the average human mind only uses 10% of the brain capacity. And, you know, who knows? I might have less than that, okay? But, but the point is, you know, I think Adam had like 100% of brain capacity. I think he was super intelligent. How did they build the pyramids back in the day with no you know, equipment? No, I mean, how did they pull this stuff off? You know, they find stuff from the earliest civilizations. Like, how did you pull this off? It's like man was created with great intelligence and Adam's going around and he's looking around at all these other animals and he's figuring out mm-hmm, I see what you're doing there uh-huh okay maybe he observed a little bit of the birds and the bees going on you know and I he found all the animals had mates and they were doing the birds and the bees thing okay so he lays down to take a little nap here and when he wakes up his eyes are met with a beautiful woman staring at him and she's buck naked Man, you know that was a good day in the Garden of Eden, man. I mean, man, Adam's just like, oh, I need to take more naps, okay? This is good, you know? Wow, what a sight that must have been. Could you imagine the first woman like, whoa, I mean, you're like me, but you're not like me. I mean, you got arms and hands, but whoa, okay, there's other, you know, there's this other stuff going on here. It's like, wow, it's like, this is just amazing here. Yet, she was so beautifully different. So do you get it? Even in our forms, we're the same, but we're different. And that's the difference between men and women. We're the same, but we're different. We're beautifully different. She has feelings. She has emotions. You know, she's soft to the touch. 
Adam now has someone to communicate with, someone to share his ideas with, someone to explore and discover with. I know for me, when I see something really cool, I want to share it with my wife. But notice, God didn't take the rib from Adam's head that he would rule over his wife with an iron fist. But he didn't take the bone from his foot either that he would just, you know, roll all over, or I should say the head from the woman wouldn't rule over the man, or from his foot that he would stomp over the woman. But rather he took the bone from Adam's side under his arm and close to his heart. So again, he didn't take the bone from his head that the woman would not rule over him. He didn't take it from his foot that he would stomp the woman into the ground. But he took it from under his arm, from his side close to his heart, so that he would be able to nurture her, that they would become one. So God instituted the marriage covenant right here in Genesis 2. You don't get much farther back than this. I mean, how much farther back can you go? He just created Adam. So now there's a holy union between a man and a woman. This is what God has engineered. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.